0: Well, amen. If you would turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, Luke chapter 16. And as you're turning there, I want to tell you how sovereign the Lord is. Our statement that we're looking at this morning out of our church covenant is that we will be faithful stewards of of our resources with people of all nations. So we're going to be talking about stewardship, and you may be super excited to talk about tithing, because that is every church member's favorite thing to talk about. Okay, am I right? We love to talk about tithing. Church members love to talk about tithing. Well, when we talk about stewardship, we need to recognize we're not going to talk about tithing, because stewardship is far bigger than just tithing. So let me tell you how sovereign God is. On Thursday, the Practical Shepherding uh, Replant Cohort, uh, sponsored by Nam the Replant Cohort, we were in week chapter 16, uh, and guess, just guess, what the topic of our time was on Thursday. Easy. Yep, I'm hearing silence. Stewardship. We we're talking about stewardship. Then, in Sunday school this morning, we were talking out of 1 John chapter 2, really verses 15 through 17, and we got on the topic of stewardship. stewardship. And remember what we're going to talk about during the sermon. Stewardship, Man, I'm... All right, I got to just say it. Next weekend, I'll get to go uh, with my boss to Washington, D.C. Uh, he is preaching and leading a conference there. And uh, he's going to get to preach at a church that Annie and I got to visit the last time we were there. It's an African-American church. And boy, did I feel like I was at home in, in every way except for uh, the look of things. It was awesome. They uh, were joyful they were excited I remember even sharing about some of those things and uh, I also will have an opportunity to preach in a church that I assume will be similar to that next Sunday there in the Maryland area so uh, I need some practice with the call and the response so we're going to talk about stewardship. all right we'll work on that we'll get better year three and a half we're doing okay I suppose but we're going to talk about stewardship We're going to talk about how God is the one who entrusts all things to us. We're going to hear how, in many ways, nothing is ours. As Job recounts, naked I came into the world, and naked I will leave. Our main point, the sermon in a sentence, is that stewardship is when we faithfully use all that God has graciously given us with all people for their good and His glory. Stewardship is when we faithfully use all that God has graciously given us with all people for their good and His glory. Why am I preaching this sermon? Well, one, it's the next sentence in our covenant. But more than that, the reason why I'm preaching this sermon is that we... No, it came out during Sunday school. We live in a society that is so worried about self. Get out on the streets, uh, not like in that metaphorical sense. Get out with your car and drive, and you will notice that everyone is worried about themselves. And in our heart of hearts, we're also worried about ourselves. So in a society filled with self-absorption and devoid of a right view of God, we need to be pointed to God's gracious provision of all that we have and to hear the call to obediently share all that we've been given. In a society filled with self-absorption and devoid of a right view of God, we need to be pointed to God's gracious provision of all that we have And hear the call to obediently share all we've been given. So if we could, hopefully that's given you enough time to get to Luke chapter 16. If I could ask you to stand, if you're able, in honor of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. He, that is Jesus, also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses." So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quite quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we think about stewardship, I joked in the introduction that we all most likely think of tithing. We think of finances. But I want us to think of stewardship as much more than that, because in our covenant, it's not just financial resources, it's all of our resources, with people of all nations. There is a wholeness to stewardship, and it is for the whole world. Earlier in our church covenant, and talking about the doctrinal foundation of it, it says that having been redeemed by Christ, or something like that, we now find ourselves in the position of Servant and steward. Servant and steward. Both of those terms have the reality in mind that there is someone over us. Just as a servant has a master, so too a steward has been entrusted by someone who is over him or her. Let's kind of get to the basics of stewardship. It begins, I think, in the very beginning in the garden, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We see, if you turn there, that God is the one who, in the beginning, did all the things. Not in the beginning us, not in the beginning mud and whatever, sludge. No, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we see on the sixth day, God creates this penultimate creation, His image. One who would be in His likeness, who would be like Him. He made man in His image. So, Creator created things. But He doesn't just create man in His image and woman in His image. He creates and He tasks, in one sense, to keep the alliteration in view. He creates and He commands. He gives them everything to rule and have dominion over, to tend and to keep, to rule and have dominion of what? Of the garden. And He says, be fruitful and multiply. I'm grateful that that is not a covenant command that I have to uh, continue to mention to our church family. You guys are doing great in that, praise God. But God creates and he commands, he tasks man and woman to tend and keep, to rule and have dominion. To do what? To be entrusted as stewards over God's creation. There's this interesting wording in Genesis chapter 2 that I haven't studied in probably three years because that's how long it was that we were in Genesis 2. But in Genesis 2, there's this reality that God is the creator of all things. God is the creator, therefore, of man. And God sets forth man to be the one over the created thing. And man screws it up, falls into sin, and temptation. But the reminder is this hierarchy of God being the creator of all things, man as supreme, as dominion over all other things, and He gives. He is entrusting man with all things, but man is still a created thing. So we cannot say we are Lord of our own life, we cannot say that we are Lord over our calendar. We cannot say that we are Lord over our talents. We cannot say that we are Lord over our own bank account. Now I can kind of, I can feel it. I can feel it coming up like, oh man, this doesn't seem like a fun sermon, Pastor. Y'all, I'm pumped to say that I almost own a house. My my, my name's on the paperwork, but there's, there's, a, there's a balance on there that I haven't yet paid. But the reality is, is that even though my name and my wife's name's on the deed of our home, it's not our house. It's the Lord's house. The Lord has provided with... Just think about this. The Lord provided the finances for us to be able to somehow get approved. I don't... I hope the bank doesn't see this. It'd be like, ugh. <laughs> the Lord provided the finances for us to be able to do that. And he provided the job to provide the finance. And he provided the talent for us to be able to do that. And he provided the health for us to have the talent, to be able to exhibit, to have the job. And he provided for us life and breath to be able to do any of the things in that order. Right. So there's no area where I can say, that's my house, on it. It's the Lord's house. Because in my uh, so uh, brilliant mind, I go to Scrooge McDuck with a mindset that all of his riches are his own. Remember what he says? It's mine. It's mine. It's all mine. As he swims in his pool of gold coins. Friends, may we not do that. Think about the reality of how this sounds. It's mine. It's mine. It's All mine, what will that do that will cause us to grasp it with everything in our being? But if we say it's His, it's His, it's all His, that will cause us to use our home, will cause us to use our finances, it will cause us to use our time, it will cause us to use our talents, it will cause us to use our health for His glory as we share these things with all people. So friends, we are not masters of a household. We are servants and stewards. What is a steward? We've already kind of hit on it, that it is one who has been given these things. One definition says that it is one designated by a master to oversee a family, a household, or state matters. There's a lot of different things that we see throughout the Old Testament uh, that some responsibilities might be a steward of a kingdom. We saw that in the story of Genesis that Joseph had stewards over his household. We see also in First and Second Kings that there are stewards over a palace. Matthew chapter 20, verse 8 says that there are stewards over business affairs. Uh, there are stewards, Romans 16, verse 23, over the city treasury. There are many different stewardships that we are tasked with, but a stewardship at its base level is one who has been designated by a master to oversee one who has been designated by a master to oversee, or to think of it in terms of being entrusted. These things have been given by someone above us. In general, another definition goes on to say, every Christian, who who is to be a good steward? Who is to keep this command? Who is to keep this covenant? Every Christian is a steward entrusted with gifts from God, First Peter chapter four verse ten reminds us that the thing that we have been entrusted with, with the most uh, responsibility, is not really our times, talents, our treasures, but what we've been entrusted with the most is that we've been entrusted with the gospel. First Peter chapter four verse ten: As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks, uh, oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves, uh, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So we've been stewarded with the gospel. We've been stewarded with all of these other resources as gifts for the purpose of God's glory. That is the design. That is who is a steward That is who we are. So I want us to think of faithful stewardship. Faithful stewardship. And Luke chapter 16 shows us that reminder of poor stewardship. Poor stewardship. We could look at another parable. The parable of those who are uh, given the talents to go out and to receive a return for their investing To be able to receive 10 talent uh, and and, a tenfold return or a hundredfold return. But here in Luke chapter 16, we see that it is a poor manager who is unfaithfully keeping his manager's accounts. So let's think of just the, the inverse of that. Okay? Remember, stewardship is when we faithfully use all that God has graciously given us with all people for their good and His glory. What has this faithless manager been given? Right. Remember, it's not something he has. It's not his own. He doesn't own these things. He's been entrusted. He's a steward over what? The manager's books. To keep right accounts for the good of his manager. But he's not faithful. He's unfaithful. And even in the midst of being removed from this stewardship, what does he do? He makes it even worse. And that others owe his master a 100. And he says, let's uh, let's just settle up for uh, 50. Let's just settle up for 50 oh you also owe 100 let's settle up for 80. that is not faithful stewardship friends the reminder is that just like in this story the manager is watching and the manager is not this physical finite human being who sees or hears through other means uh, god our master sees all things He knows the stewardship that he's given us. He knows what he's entrusted to us. And he knows if we're being faithful or faithless. So this steward, this worker, this manager does not steward this faithfully he's not stewarded faithfully faithfully what has been graciously put under his charge how often could we say the same thing about us if we were to and i'm not asking you to but if we were to list out a long list of all of the things that we've been given because stewardship and being entrusted with all things your children Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Think about this. I've been entrusted with a lawn tractor. And you might think, no way does that have anything to do with the gospel. Is it spreading the gospel every day? No. It's It's not able to. But I've been stewarded with that. I've been stewarded with that resource to when it's broken and it's broken to fix it because I've also been stewarded and entrusted with my yard. I've also been entrusted with my kids who like to play in the yard. I've also recognized that I have a property boundary that goes back into a lot of woods with heaven knows what kind of critters back there. And if I keep my yard really tall. It's going to be like Jurassic Park, and I'm going to be yelling out to my kids, don't go into the long grass. So you see how you've been entrusted with all of these things. There's not anything that you couldn't say is given by the Lord. Everything that you have has been given him, given by him. Everything. Why are you talking about me? Because that's what I do biblical example of faithful stewardship would be using these things. I've heard it said uh, to, to put it in these three categories of your time, your talents, and your treasure. Your time, your talents, and your treasure. And this is where things are going to get really practical. I said, you're Uh, you're not Lord over your calendar. There's a lot of books out there that say your calendar is Lord over you, that whenever something comes up, you just kind of, okay, all right, whatever. And if you don't have set boundaries, well, the reminder is we all get the same amount of time. You get a 24-hour day. That's not different for anybody in this room. Now, if you decide to wake up at 11 a.m. and your day starts halfway over, Is that poor stewardship. Now that, hear me, because if you go and you take an account of when did Sean wake up, he's talking about all this stuff and being a good steward. There are some days where I wake up that, that late. And sometimes that comes off the heels of being an unfaithful steward of the time the day before, or the day before that, or the day before that one right? So it's being a good steward of your time. How can we think about being good stewards of our time? There's the term of church attendance uh, that you come on Christmas and Easter. You devote that amount of time. Man, good job. Two hours out of the entire year that you are at church for worship. That's great. And let me, let me just say, I would rather that than zero But there are so many things that are creeping up. I'm just going to use me as an example because it's easier to do that than to use you all. There are so many times where in my weekly schedule, things creep up. And I'm not a good steward of time. There are times where events and activities leave me at the end of the week with nothing left to give. There are times where I say yes to way too many things. And what does that do? That means that you're saying no in other areas, and this is not like a self-help, like learn to say no to the right thing so that you get the... let somebody else write that book and speak that thing. But you've been given a certain amount of time, in each and every day, to use for God's glory? How can you use your time as a resource for people of all nations and for God's glory? Think about that. How can you use your time as a resource? If we're supposed to be faithful stewards of our resources with people of all nations, how do we use our time? How can you this week make boundaries so that you are Purposefully using your time to not be like the faithless uh, and and dishonest manager, but that you're being a good steward. What does that look like for your personal devotional life with the Lord? I'm not saying you need a three hour prayer time starting at 4 a.m. That's not, uh, that would be great. I would advocate for that, but that doesn't seem to be realistic for us right now. So, start with five minutes then move to 10 minutes, then 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Learn to develop these spiritual disciplines where you're praying without ceasing, as Paul tells us, that you would use your time wisely. One of the things that I've found the most beneficial over the last three to four weeks is that when I'm in the car driving, and I don't get to drive a ton, uh, but when I'm in the car driving, I'm listening to a podcast. When I'm doing the dishes, uh, or whatever I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to use and stimulate my mind primarily with things that are tailored uh, or fruit of the gospel. I'm listening to sermons. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to those things. Then there's sometimes times where I'm not listening to those things. I'm listening to stuff that I'm just generally interested in. Use that time wisely. Now, this is not, like I said, a how can you have 10 steps to better use your time? I That's not what this is about. This is not so that you can do these other tasks. This is that you could bring God more glory in what you're doing. And it starts with just an emphasis of recognizing he's given me all things. He's given me breath in my lungs that I get to wake up. I remember there's a gentleman from the church that I grew up in that from the time that I was very young to the, probably now when I go back in the summer, he'll probably say the same dumb jokes over and over again. He's just that kind of person. And every church needs that kind of person, let me say. And he would say when you'd ask him, hey, how are you doing? He's like, well, I'm this side of the grave, so it's a good day. And that sounds trite, but the reality is if you get to wake up and you have breath in your lungs, the Lord has given you that. And what does that mean? It means that you have a purpose and a design by God. Use your time as a resource for the good of others and for God's Glory. I want to I just focus, before I move on to the next one, that when I think the, this, this covenant was written, it was written in such a way that all nations, uh, kind of similar to, uh, go and make disciples of all nations. So it's not a, you need to leave where you are and go, you need to do this where you are now and go. So we've talked about how to be useful, to be a faithful steward with your time here Now, but maybe let's think about it in a missional sense. Let's think about it in a missional sense because our covenant says with people of all nations. How can you use your time for people of all nations? Maybe that means finding a specific prayer calendar. Think of a ministry like Voice of the Martyrs, or think of, um, oh, I'm forgetting, the Joshua Project, I believe it is. It talks about unreached people groups across the world that you could use your time. You could be a wise and faithful steward of your time with people of all nations. That what are you doing? You're doing the most powerful thing that you can possibly do where you are. You're petitioning, you're pleading with the God who made all things and has all power and all strength, who upholds all things with the power of his might. You're pleading on their behalf that they would come to know him steward your time wisely with people of all nations by taking them to the lord's throne through prayer secondly if we think about time we also need to think about talents i want to make a joke that like we're just not a talented church but that would be a lie I think there's probably so many untapped talents in the pews this morning, even though we're sparse, that we wouldn't even know what to do with. I bet there are things right now that I have absolutely no clue you know how to do. And you might think, well, yeah, I I mean, I like it. It's great, and I feel like the Lord's gifted me in that, but I don't know how I could do that in the church. I bet we could find a way bet we could find a way. But not just in the church, not just that your gifts need to be displayed in this local body. How then do you use your talents in other areas, other spheres of your life? Maybe it's in your employment. You're using your talents uh, in your employment. You're also using the fact that you are uh, an agent of God's grace. You've been given grace in Christ Jesus and so your talents have led you to your employment and your grace the grace supplied to you in Christ is leading you to influence those people in your workplace for the kingdom let that talent let god's supply of his grace through faith and your salvation that you would use that for his glory Maybe there are other opportunities for you to use your talents, specifically in serving. Maybe it's through a nonprofit or through advocacy or whatever. Use the talents that God's given you because 1 Peter 4 reminds us as each one has been given a gift. The implication is each one has been given a gift. Ephesians also says that God, through Jesus Christ, has given gifts to the church. Not everyone is going to be a teacher, but He's gifted some to teach. Not everyone who's going to be uh, all of these different things. Not everyone's going to be an evangelist. Not everyone's going to be a missionary. But God has given gifts for the building up of the church. Friends, use your talent for the good of this church, and use it for the glory of God in the reaching of all nations. Maybe you think, I don't know what that connects with. Friends, let me introduce you to a saying called business as mission. Business as mission. Think of mission trips not only as a week or 10 days where you fly over, take two days in the airplane getting there, you spend three days on the ground, and you spend two days coming back. Let's not think of missions that way. Let's think of what are ways that these talents can be used in an area that needs to hear the gospel. How can you use your talents as a resource for the good of people of all nations and for God's glory? Time, talents, and treasure. Time, talents, and treasure. You cannot argue from the New Testament that there is a percentage that a Christian is supposed to give. You can't. It's not there. I promise. I've looked a lot. Especially since I got a ministry. It's not there. You won't be able to find it. But what we do see, even from Luke chapter 16, is that no one can serve two masters. If we think that our treasure has been acquired by our own hard work, we'll be less likely to share it with people of all nations. We'll probably even be less likely to share it with our own family. But when we see this treasure, this financial treasure, as given by God, we will be so much more likely to give it to others. Now, again, that is to do so wisely Be shrewd about these things. Don't give to the prince of a Nigerian embassy. Don't do that. When I paid my water bill, I was told, there's a scam going on. Uh, Here's what it is. Don't do this. Be wise with this treasure. Be wise with this money, just as the dishonest manager was unwise. May we not fall into the same trap May we not serve both God and money, for he will be devoted to one and despise the other. He will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. Friends, don't let this gift of financial, I won't even say uh, large sum of financial, I I know where I am. But whatever you've been given, whatever you have, whatever your bank balance is, it's been given by God who gives all things. How would we seek to use our treasure for the building up of God's kingdom, for the good of people of all nations and for His glory? easy answer would be give. But it's not just give, because the Bible doesn't just say just give. Well, how much do I give? Just give. How should I give? Just do it. Praise the Lord that the Bible is not Nike slogan. The Bible gives us clear, uh, not rules, but ways in which we ought to give. We ought to not look at, oh man, here it is. this is is. I'm guilty. Here it is. Third week of the month i got to write that check again. Dang it. Did you do the task? Hopefully. Did you do it the way the Bible instructs, with a joyful, glad heart? Absolutely not, you didn't. And you may say, uh, I don't know that I'd agree with you, Pastor, but it might have even been better if you would have not given it all. The Bible instructs us to give with a glad and generous heart. Why? Because we recognize that we've been given all things. So the command is not just give, it's to give joyfully, to give gladly, knowing that we have been given these things. We ought to rejoice in this stewardship that we've been entrusted with. We ought to rejoice. I don't have it in front of me. I could pull it up real quick. But that each year since I've been here, we've given more and more money through our tithes and offerings to the International Mission Board. We should be elated by that. That while we don't know uh, personally people that have gone through the International Mission Board from our church, hopefully we know of others. This family that we prayed for went out from another sister church through the International Mission Board. Our money, the money that you gave, that God graciously gave you, you joyfully and graciously gave to the church, and we gave to the International Mission Board, helping missionaries go and spread the gospel in hard-to-reach places that are closed to the gospel. You got to do that. I even think of the stewardship that we've been given through our finance committee and through the vote of our church to be able to designate specific funds and a line item for global missions. That we would be able to support missionaries. That we would be able to, by God's grace, even send out missionaries. That we would be able to send short-term mission trips. That we would be able to send long-term, lifelong, on-the-field missionaries. That we might be able to provide some type of furlough for them when they're over here. All of these different things we've been able to do through the giving of finances. And rather than be the Scrooge McDuck of like, no, it's mine. May we rejoice that the good of the people of all nations and the glory of God is what's at stake. And we can use these time, this treasure, these talents for the good of all people and for God's glory. Friends, it's not just for us to sit on it. Whether it's sending it off to South Africa or whether it's sending it so that we can serve the community that we reside in, our time, our talents, and treasures have been entrusted to us. And I pray that we would be found faithful. And I encourage you, to think about these three categories of time, talents, and treasure in your own life, right? The the premise of the gospel, the premise of the gospel is that we're messed up. That's my phrase. It's not a biblical phrase. We are messed up. To use a biblical phrase, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We ought not to, being dead in our trespasses and sins, be like, we're totally fine. Everything's great but well, we see that all the time, do we not? But the reality, in our sin, we must turn from our sin. We see something more glorious, more uh, amazing, that captivates our hearts in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That we then turn from our sin and say, I don't, I don't, I don't want that anymore, because this is so much better, right? We turn our heart From our other master, our original from birth, from our first parents, Adam and Eve, master. And we say, No, Jesus has captivated my heart. He's a master of it all. I'm no longer entrusted with the foolishness of this kingdom. I'm entrusted with everything. Everything that's mine was given him. That means my time, no, it's his time. My talents, it's his talents my treasure no it's his treasure for his glory for the good of all people it's not ours it's his and may we just as we did in salvation may we be able to investigate our own hearts And come along, not with a hardened heart, saying, no, 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 I'm going to keep grabbing it. This is mine. This is mine. But may, may we be able to look with honesty and be able to give that to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been so selfish. Lord, when I think about my time, I've been using it unwisely. I give that to you. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling things I hadn't felt when I was prepping this sermon. Things that the Lord, through His spirits, even saying, yeah, you are using your time pretty unwisely, Sean. Those talents that God gave you, that He's grown in you, supplied for you, for the good of others, and for His glory, that you would be able to say, Lord, I've not used these gifts, these talents the way... That I ought. Lord, forgive me. Give me opportunities to be able to do that. And lastly, may we be able to look at our treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like a thermometer, able to check and see the status of our heart. We're able to look and see where did the money go? Where did our Treasure, go. Maybe we be able to say, even in this. Maybe you say, I've given 10%. I don't know what you want, Pastor. Just leave me alone. Let's go to the next week's sermon. And it'll be Derek, so it'll be a lot nicer and not on money. But if we're able to look at those things and be able to say, maybe... Lord, I have given 10%, but maybe you're asking me to give 12 or to give 15. Or maybe you're asking me to give eight, but to actually do it with a heart that trusts you, that you are my provider and you will provide even in the midst of this. Friends, may we be able to turn from a heart that might be grasping at keeping our time, talents, and treasure, and may we seek to give them to Him. For stewardship is when we faithfully use all that God has graciously given us with all people for their good and His glory. That's what Adam and Eve were commissioned to do in the garden that they would tend and keep it and God's presence through the garden would fill the entire earth. May we do that. May we strive to do this, to be faithful stewards with our time, with our talents, and our treasure. Let's pray.